Se pensaba nunca de Pablo y se curé. Ya de mi boca, Cross 
We are not come to this assurance 
things are not going to remain with you always the way they are tonight. Oh no. You'll have been left in your homes and they'll all be counted for it. And they join it legitimately as long as God keeps it to you. There's nothing wrong with being happy with God's gifts. God wants us to be happy in the world. But remember, friends, things are not going to remain the way they are. There are change coming sometime. It may come soon. Now the question for you and for me to decide is this. Is God promised? If he is, well, it doesn't matter what change will be. The change that we take in all our own I see. But if God be for us, who can be against us? So we have the two propositions. Let us consider them. First of all, God is for us. And secondly, since that is so, none can be against us. says, by way of inference, since God is for us, but what are the proofs? <coughs> Give signs in the preceding verses that I mentioned. First of all, it gives the proof of having predestinated us according to his own sovereign will. That is the first proof. And from that, everything else follows, and as far as spiritual welfare is concerned, and as far as temporal welfare is concerned also, but if we're not concerned so much with that, if God has predestined it does, if he has elected us for all eternity, that is a thousand head from which all the things flow. <coughs> And he has predestinated us, in spite of what anyone says, this is our revelation, part of the revelation of the Word of God. Do you like the doctrine of election? Or do you wish it wasn't there at all? Well, friend, if you don't like it, you don't need to come here because it's going to be preached here. I hope forever it will be preached as long as I wait, and I hope it will be preached after I am gone. We believe in the doctrine of election. We can't explain the doctrine of election. Thank God we are not asked to explain it. But we are asked to believe it. Explain it? I am in the dark, my friend, about it as much as you are. Why God did it, I don't know. But I don't want 
on the level people are used to study this call of God in their heart and conscience. It's, it's common knowledge that a lot of people have gone to drink, to drive in drink. Now, of course, that friend a lot of But not for long. And they done that. The godly women companies, the wickedness of men in order that they might get away from this thing that was chasing them and following them, this call of God. And they were determined that they would win. Some people are forsaken in the house of God altogether. I remember on one occasion, a young girl coming to see me about going forward to the Lord's table. And she was telling me as best as she could about her own condition. And she told me about her attitude in my own ministry. When God began to call her by his face. And she said at last that she hated me more than she knew it was possible for her to hate anybody in the world. She said, I know that the very sight of you can be the goodness. I knew she said what was awaiting me, yet I couldn't stay away. But she said, I would rather than anybody else than you. And I would attempt to stay away from you, to go away somewhere, for I would see you. But the Lord did not cease to call her. I don't want her to start away. That wasn't begotten by God, but by the devil. But the Lord called her, called her effectually, and won her heart. And this is what he does. And my friend, if the Lord calls us effectually, and if the Lord wins our hearts, then God is for us. Surely we have to hear that he's for us, because he's called us into union, with his own son. He's called us into his own ownership. He says, Hear not, thou art mine. Hear not your own. He has bought with a price. He's called us so that we his father. So what did he call us for? He called us for that special purpose. He called us to make us to conform us, the words of this chapter, to conform us to the image of the Son. I remember preaching a sermon on that. Oh, I was preaching it again and again. Many a time the words have been made fresh to my own soul. And the not seen here in which we bathe all of the eyes. You think of the same. You think of people here tonight, yourself, myself, other people. And maybe you know quite a lot about our edges on us on the corner. The things which sometimes seem to say that we are not Christians at all. And you know these things about yourself. Well now, what is our destiny? 
I would like to say it softly, but I hope you see this. It is that we are going to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Friends, can you stand amazed at this doctrine of the Scripture? You, full of corruption and sin, even that one day you will die after you made like a fiat of the Son of God. That's what he called us. So then, he's sure to be for us. That's the case. Not only that he called us, but he called us for us. an assurance. That God is mine. And the call is eternal and binding. What if God regrets calling us? Would it then not cease to be false? Ah, but God will not be built of this act. He is not a man that he should spend. He knew us. He put on us, as it were, he put on us the ring of adoption. He sealed us with his own sign. We are children of the covenant. And therefore, the calling is eternally sure. He did not protect it. He did not cast it away. So therefore, God is The third thing is that God does. Here is another marvelous doctrine. You can only touch a part because I'm using it only as proofs. I'm not preaching on these things, but using them only as proofs to point out to prove this uh, proposition that God is for us. He justifies. What does this mean? Well, it means that He acquitted us, that He blotted out all those sins. That he pronounced a verdict upon us. It means that we were condemned because of our sin, and we were brought face to face with God to the bar of justice. And God said to us, You are free. God said to us, You are innocent. You are justified. There is no more condemnation for you. My Lord is in your favor. Christ Justified by faith in Christ Jesus. And what it means then, it doesn't mean complete holiness. But what it means is this. That every redeeming sinner on earth is justified from every curse of the law. He is justified by the faith of God in Christ Jesus, as much as if he were in eternal glory. He never be more justified than he is. God has absolved him. God has remitted his gift, and he need not be afraid anymore. God is for us because he did that. We are justified. 
we are not the holiest but we are just a being. We are not the holy of the spirits of just men made perfect, but we are just as the spirits of just men made perfect in heaven and earth. As just a being we are. Therefore, it's not God for us. Well, then, that is the third group. The fourth proof I'm just going to mention. He glorified us. Let me bring to your attention something. But he doesn't say who we justified, then he would also glorify. Virtually he has glorified us already. I'm not going to do anything. But he has glorified us in Christ Jesus. So that for us. But I'm hastening on to give you one more proof. Not that I'll go on the second supposition. The last proof I've mentioned, I will be left to you again and give you the proof. What shall the then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, let us not throw our bread and just continue. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And that clinches the argument beyond any dispute. Is God for us? But sometimes it seems that he is. But let me go back into history and remember that God gave his only begotten Son delivered to man <coughs> as my sacrifice. Well, if he did that, if he gave me his only begotten son, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave him to me, and he gave him for me, well then, who can be against him? It's not God for us. That is the great argument. Let me be the proof, friend. In any time you are up, or liable to question this great proposition. Let this be Did God give Christ for me? Did Christ give himself for me? God spared him not? That means, of course, that he didn't grudge to give it. It doesn't mean spaying by way of not spaying of afflictions or sufferings. But he did not grudge to give God gave him with all the willingness Possibly to his deity, he gave us. And then, shall he not give us everything else? And he gave us what is infinitely great. Shall he not give us the things that are little and small? God is for us. But let us come then to the second proposition. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, let me remind you. That God is for us in every situation. In every situation. God is for us when he allows us to be tempted of the devil. God is for us when he tries to pay. Now you can tell this yourself from the pages of scripture. <laughs> as well as I can. And all you need to do is to take the history of the 
Patria und um die Martyrs und um die Apostel. Und auch, if there was ever a moment that God was not fortunate, much as another moment, there were times when God made it more visible that he was fortunate than others. But was God more for Abraham? When he gave him the promise, look not south and east and west, all this land will I give thee unto thy seed forever, because I know you love me. Count the stars, if you can, so shall thy seed be. Marvelous promises were given there on the top of Mount Moriah. But was God for Abraham then, more than when he made him take the knife and bind his son and put him on the, on the altar? to cut his throat and dump him for a sacrifice. No, friend, he was not. God was for him as much in the one case as in the other. And God is with us in every circumstance. Is God with you when you're at the end of your tenderness, when you are just at the scene of your happiness? Is God with you when you are disgraced in life? As much as when you're proud of your own achievements or of your family or of your enemies. Is God with you when you take this trial and you say, My God has forsaken me? Is the same that sort of thing? You want to say it. Is God for you as much as He is when you say, Leave it by the still waters and leave to the green pasture and my cup runneth over. My friend, if you believe anything, we believe this, and not only believe it with us, as sure of it as we are of the being of God. God is us as much in one circumstances as up in another. He's with us when we doubt and with us when we doubt. And God is not more for the glorified saints in heaven than he for you and me. He's not more on their side than he is on our side. God is for us. He is with us in promise. Who take the promises of the Bible? When thou goest through the waters, the floods will not overwhelm thee. When you go through the fire, the flame will not be kindled upon you. And so on. That is just an example of the many promises given in the Word of God. That God be with you, that God is for you. And he's with us in wisdom. But our friends here we have to be careful. This touches upon what I have been saying already. See the father in the Bible that says, and we should always think of this death. It says this as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts. High above your thoughts, and my ways above your ways. My friends, they will never forget that. The heavens are a lot higher than the earth, but they're not as high above the earth as the thoughts of God are above your thoughts and my thoughts and your ways and my ways. And remember that, 
friends come to me and things that you can't understand. You're going to the quagmire. Sometimes you'll be beaten, sometimes you'll be persecuted. But again, they have no attention to scripture. And you see that in that one person, God was with his people. Abraham, Jacob. Jacob said, all these things are against me. No Joseph, sold as a slave, tempted to sin, cast into a prison dungeon, <coughs> and once or twice in the group of Genesis we read, what would it the worst about Joseph? And we read, but God was with Joseph. And that is the word that we God was with Joseph. Oh, my dear young people, you try and let that Whatever you go, whatever circumstance you be, you see to it that this will be true of you. God is with John. God is with me. God is with us. God is with you. Well then, who can be against you? Potiphar's wife was against Joseph. Potiphar himself was against Joseph. Everything was you have the same with Moses. What a man of science he was all his life. And at last he became weary of it all. And quarreled with God. He said, Am I the God to know these are these my people? And he said to God, Why did you put all this responsibility upon me? I can't bear it. But God was with him. And David and Job and the apostles and the apostolic church. And the martyrs down to this Roman, uh, Roman persecutions, Spanish musicians, Scottish covenanters, God was for them. And God is with us in power. See the God, the God that He is. Simon said, My God has forsaken me, and then He brought finds attention to the fact that he's the creator of the earth of the ends of the world, the Lord of hosts is naked. Who he said that created these, have they not all been formed by my hand? Even the youth shall take and be weary. But they that wait upon the Lord shall be new in strength. And if he says to his people that they were surrendered upon the land of promise, and these are the everlasting arms, the eternal God by refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. So then who can be against us? Arms can be against us. But of course, who can be against us on three days? There be no absence of opposition. When you look at things with the eye of reason, there'll be far more against you than would be for you. You know, my friend, if you're a Christian, it is very likely that you're a lonely man or a lonely woman, very often. God can't. We have communion one with another. We have communion with, with the prayer meetings and the fellowships. 
Very often there is no clear. But the world is hardly ever going. Oh no, they can go, they can go to the bar with plenty noise. They can go to the dances, there's plenty people there. They can go to watch football. There are thousands upon thousands gathered there. And they are at all interested, I suppose. They're not feeling lonely. So, if you look at the end of the chapter, who can be against Tribulation, distress, peril, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, death, night, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, death, I think they're all against us sometimes, and some of them all the time, but they will not prevail. And this is the triumphant note in which she ended, he said, I am persuaded that all these things put together shall not be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who can be against us and prevail? And when we have something, I'm going to tell you that every enemy of God will be against you. <coughs> yes, friend. Every enemy of God. You hear it sometimes being said of people by way of commendation. It is pronounced on them as a, as a, as a, as a eulogy. It happened an enemy in the world. Ah, they don't say that probably why people are living, but they do say it of some people after they die. He hasn't an enemy in the world. <laughs> but my friends, I hope nobody will say that about me when I die. If anybody says that about you or me when we die, then they don't speak favorably of us. As Christians, I mean. <laughs> If you and I are loyal to our Lord, it would be faithful to the cross of Jesus Christ and to the eternal truths of Scripture. We'll have enemies in the world. We'll have everyone who's an enemy to God. Every believer will be an enemy to us. Marvel not that the world hates you. It hated me before it hated you. They hated me without a cause. Right? But they hated him nevertheless and put him on to a cross. Our friends, your friends, they were the enemies of Christ. There is something they come from. It is friendly with them and they're friendly with you. Now don't mistake what I'm saying. Don't take it into your mind that I'm saying that you're going to flare up in people's faces or that you're going to, or that you're going to, like I'm a nasty.
And if they know it is a real Christian slogan and suitable, say, they will not like it if they don't like God. They won't. They don't like the cross. And if you preach the cross, people won't like it. All those who don't preach it will be against you. Do you know that we in the free church today are looked upon as narrow-minded and bigoted and fools and ill-learned and educated will not with it. Our ministers are not with it. We just a band of small people that I think all need to be ignored. That's all. Why? Because we try to be faithful to the teachings of the cross of Christ. We maintain that no man can save his own soul by his own power. We maintain that people are saved by the grace of God alone. And that we don't like that sort of thing. And they hate us for it. But who can be against us? All we need is the wisdom of evil, the power of the knowledge of evil is against us. Lord, I would like to think it more of this. See, friends, science falsely so called is against us. Science is not against Christianity. The facts of science never were and never will be. But the theories of science are. It would be a very divided person, a scientist who's not an evolutionist. Oh, I know the teaching in the schools in the town. Did every hear that town? They teach it to your children. They teach them that the Bible is not true, and a lot of it, or most of it is legend and myth. And they teach you that science has discovered this and that. That proves the Bible to be wrong. That proves it to be false and be true. No brains. Science never proved the Bible to be true. To be true. Never. Science will never prove the Bible to be true. But science, so-called modern science, and who really is not against it? Who is not against us? The government is against us. The kind of people living is against us. See, then, if you were, if you were, if you were imprisoned in your home tonight, or if you were in a hospital ward, and let this be said to the everlasting shame of the BBC in Britain. People doubt everything that was given to Christians. I remember myself the days when you would get a morning service and you would get an evening service and many of them were excellent to listen to. And if you were imprisoned in the house and you couldn't go to church, you would get no evening service tonight on British stations, on BBC stations. There are cases. Everything is against. Thank you.
enough. I have even something better than that to say. God will overrule the path of his adversaries. And that is better than the Now listen to me very quickly. You have Joseph and his brethren. They were against Joseph. They wanted to kill him. They were to They were against him. Where did I taste them? Not at all. They thought they were. But they were foreign all the time. They were instruments in the hands of God to bring up of this So if God be for us, who can be against us? Those who are against us are only instruments in the hands of God. God is overruling the evil and the real foreign. Take Job and say, Satan was against Job. But was he against him? Of course he was. <coughs> Father's purpose was concerned. But God gave Job twice as much as he had. There was a great persecution in the church at Jerusalem. And that something brought to notice the gospel has prospered more by persecution than by success. People were scattered all over. They were not against the gospel. They were against it. But see, there was a lesson to know. Let me give you another example. The example of Judas and Christ. Was Judas against Christ? Of course he was against him. He was a traitor and a thief and the devil had got into him to betray Christ. And he betrayed him and sent him to the cross. But he sent him to the cross. That was Judas' purpose. But only to fulfill the purposes of God. That Christ might be the propitiation for our sins. And my friends, Judas was not against the church. God overruled the church. And his covetousness and his wickedness. And the sins of death, as well as the sins of your trials. For I take all your and they would work a holy dependence upon God. There was confidence in God, patience and affliction. That is what it is. And I said, the believer of the day. Well, I imagine you were right at the beginning that one day things are going to change. And my friends, there's nothing sure that that one day you will die going to do battle with this last day. That's the last enemy we shall meet in this world. Death. The greatest enemy that we ever met. And one day you are dying and going to fight the battle of death. Death against us. And death will overcome us and send our bodies to graves. But what of it? It's death against us. No, my friend, death is only a midwife to bring the believer into a glorious eternity. Death is where our regeneration. Death is not against us. This, this man says so. He says, nor height, nor death, nor life, nor death are Don't be afraid of death. question and to that everything. Are you hoping God is for you? Are you saying to yourself, 
said tonight when I asked the question, it's God for you, I would say, I'm well, I do so. Now, one question. And with that, I will leave it to you. Anything is for you, is your hope Are you for him? If you are for him, it is all are you for him? Are you going to be for him from now on tonight until next Sabbath morning? Are you going to be for him? After asking your own way. Friend, are you going to be for him? Answer that question to yourself and God. You see, I have no time to answer. Oh, there are Thank you.